Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Aren't you glad the Lord reached down? <laughs> amen, amen. I remember where I was. I remember exactly what was going on when the Lord reached down and touched me. I'll never forget that. Time and circumstance can't erode that away. Amen. Let's pray over the word of the Lord and ask His word to just speak to our heart this evening. Can you do that? Lord, we thank you for the privilege to be here. Thank you for the tremendous presence of your spirit that we have already felt. And we ask you now, God, to let your word as a hot coal from all over the fire of the altar this evening touch our heart, our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated fear of the Lord. I want to speak to you this evening about the attributes of God. Amen. The attributes of God. The oceans cover approximately 70% of the earth's surface. Yet to a very large extent, they remain a mystery, largely unexplored and unmapped. It has been estimated that despite remotely controlled underwater vehicles, only about 5 to 7% of the ocean floor has ever even been examined. Yet in an effort to uncover all of the ocean's secrets, scientists continue to work with what has been called by many a Lewis and Clark spirit of discovery and expedition. I believe in like fashion the spirit of God still awaits us to explore and unveil and reveal to us many things of his spirit that we have yet to experience. Tonight, this is not just another Wednesday night service. Not just another time of fellowship or socializing. It's not just another time to sing and or preach or to hear preaching. But I believe it is an opportunity to discover just a little bit more, another dimension, another aspect of God, just another portion of His Spirit. And so if we will hear, as I taught just a few services ago, then we will hear if we will lend the, the Lord our ear, then we will hear with a fresh ear and a new ear. Amen. I want the Spirit of God to reveal something to me this evening that I have never discovered about Him. Today, in studying, finalizing, preparing for this evening, I came across a couple of passages of Scripture that although I realized through the years, systematically as a church, we have read the Bible through for as many years almost now as I can remember, so according to statistics, I have read these scriptures. But according to my memory today, I found them for the very first time. Amen. How fresh and real they were and interesting. And, and I thought, Lord, how in the world can you read something like this and it not jump out and grab you like it did today? Amen. It's the Spirit of God, just another dimension, another portion of Him that He wants to reveal to us. And so I want to discover more. I don't ever want to get tired of serving Him or ever get tired of coming to the house of God. 
I'm not just here tonight because I'm the preacher. I came because I wanted to be in the presence of the Lord and worship Him and magnify His name. And so if we long to discover more, there is certainly more to be discovered. As long as we hunger and thirst after the righteousness of God, that's what the key said, the Bible says is the key to being filled. I want to hunger, I want to search, I want to long, I want to have a sense of pursuit in my heart. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2.10, The Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. There's a yearning in the heart of man. It was put there in creation, and I don't want life, time, or anything else to snuff that desire out, but I want to wake up searching every day. The Apostle Paul seemed overwhelmed by the immeasurable mercy of the Lord that's evident in much of his writings. Clearly, he longed for a more intimate relationship with God. We would kind of marvel at that, Paul, after all being Paul. After he has written all that he's written, contributed all that he has contributed, and yet he is longing for more. Philippians 3.10, Paul said this, I need to know him or desire to know him. And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. What a qualified voice to make such a statement. A study of the nature of God will, uh, will enable us to better understand and perhaps even appreciate that spirit that dwells in our heart. The only way to know the things of God is to be led by the Spirit of God. And so I don't ever want to ignore that urging or that unction in my heart, in my spirit. Amen. I want to, I want to, I learned a long time ago when the Lord lays something on your heart, even in the middle of the night, you need, if, if you, if the Lord woke you up with something, you don't, don't think you're going to remember it in the morning. No matter how earth shattering it was. How many have had things that seems like eternally lost? Because we thought, surely I'll remember that in the morning. And so when the Lord prompts me in the stillness of the night, the only way I can know the things of God is to be led by the Spirit of God. And so when the Lord prompts me with a scripture or the Lord prompts me with a thought, I want to write that down. I want to make note of that. Because the Spirit of God is given to humankind so that we might know the things and those things of God be freely given to us. It's not a mystery. It's not a secret. He longs to reveal Himself to us. Psalms 139 is a very valuable expression of the greatness of the Spirit of God. In this particular psalm, it depicts three aspects of the Spirit's greatness that we normally refer to as the attributes of God. And so I will talk about these three things briefly. He is an all-knowing God. We understand that. The word sometimes used to portray this attribute is the word omniscience. In the, in the book of Psalms 139, verses 1 through 6, David defined uh, the omniscience of God several times. There are the expressions that David used in this particular psalm. He said, Lord, thou hast known me. Another place, he said, thou knowest my down-sitting and mine uprising, thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou art acquainted with all my ways. He says in another verse, that there is not a word in my tongue, but thou knowest it altogether. Such knowledge, he writes again, is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. And so David is writing again and again and again about this all-knowing God. 
There is nothing hidden to him. These phrases clearly show David's conviction concerning this particular attribute of the Lord. Solomon said in the book of Proverbs 15 and 3, The eyes of the Lord are upon evil and good. The eyes of the Lord are upon evil and good. So he's not just weighing one world, but he's weighing every world. Not only does God have knowledge of the things pertaining to mankind, but God also understands everything about nature as well. One of the scriptures that kind of jumped out at me today was Psalms 147 and 4. The Bible says, He telleth the number of the stars. He calleth them all by their names. Amen. He, he telleth the number of the stars. He knows exactly how many stars there really are, and He calls them all by their names. Matthew 10, 29 says that God even knows when a sparrow falls from its nest. He's an all-knowing God. And so those times when life seems to encroach upon us and we feel like that somehow heaven has lost our address, we've got to understand that if God knows the stars and He can call them by their name, and if God can understand what we may deem as insignificant as a sparrow, and that all-knowing hand of God or attribute of God would understand that, He certainly knows where we are today. We are created in His likeness and in His image. We are the apple of his eye. He understands where we are. He's an all-knowing God. Not only is nature blessed by God's knowledge, but the entire human race is blessed as well. Since God has complete knowledge of our ways, we should be sure that our ways are pleasing to him. I don't say this to intimidate anybody here tonight, but it's true that if God is watching, then we need to be careful. Amen. If God is watching, what, what more should we have in our conscience to realize if God is watching good and God is watching evil, then I need to make sure my ways are pleasing to Him. To understand the magnitude of God's love and understand the magnitude of God's ability to see and know all things is beyond our comprehension. But a writer by the name of William Evans in his book entitled The Great Doctrines of the Bible Express God's knowledge in this way. He said, we're like a man standing by the river. He can only see that part of the river that only passes by him. That's all he can behold, just the part of the river that passes by him. But he that dwelleth above can see the entire course of the river, and so it is with God. Sometimes when we just stand on the river's bank of our life, and we just view that one small snippet of life, it in and of itself does not speak to the whole of the matter. And so I have to put my confidence and my trust in Him that can see the entire course of this river called life. He is all-powerful. He is, in, in addition, everywhere, David eloquently described the omnipresence of God. Omnipresence simply means that God is everywhere present. He is here and He is there all the time. No matter where David went, he had a clear and concise understanding that he could never get away from the presence of God. In Psalms 139 and verse 8, David said, If I ascend up into heaven, He is there. Or if I make my bed in hell, He is there. Jeremiah 23 and 23, the Scripture said, Am I a God at hand, saith the Lord, and not a God afar off? 
Can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him, saith the Lord? Do not I feel heaven and earth, saith the Lord? Jeremiah was hearing the Lord say, There is nowhere you can go to escape me. Amen. I am omnipresent. This omnipresence of God is a comfort. Hear me tonight. It's a comfort to those who fear Him. That's a comfort to those who seek after Him. Amen. To know that God is everywhere. Have you ever been in a place of destitution? A place of desolation? And we say, God, I feel all alone, but I have the hope that He is everywhere present. David said, I can't even go to heaven without Him being there. But I also can't make my bed in hell without Him being there. But if we are not seeking in His way, if we're not searching out His Word, that everywhere presence of God can seem what dis- seem somewhat discomforting. I want to live in His will. I want to walk in His way. The psalmist David prayed, O oh God, Thou knowest my foolishness, and my sins are not hid from Thee. The omnipresence of God is a comfort to those who seek Him. It may be an arresting agent to those who stray from Him, but I'm thankful for the comfort that I know that He is with me. He is all-powerful. David said, having experienced the leading of the Lord in Psalms 139, he said in verse 9, If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the utmost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. No matter where I find myself, even in the utmost part of the sea, he said, even there, your hand is going to guide me. Amen. You're going to lead me. David knew that the Lord was all-powerful. Amen. Omnipotence is a word used frequently to express this attribute of God. The omnipotence of God is the attribute that God enables him to do anything he desires. He is God. He is sovereign. God's power has absolutely no boundaries. Absolutely no boundaries. A few uh, a few weeks ago, I believe I shared this with you. A pastor friend of mine was praying for a brother, uh, a brother that was uh, an older an older, an older uh, cousin, excuse me, uh, that was uh, up in years and was right at the point of death. And they were praying for him in his hospital room and he received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Speaking with other tongues right there in a hospital room in his bed. God is everywhere. Nothing limits God. Amen. His power is able to reach beyond any veil that we could deem. Amen. Is there. I'm thankful for that presence of God that can move here. But you see, the Lord doesn't just need music and He doesn't just need singers. He doesn't just need programs. Amen. The Lord can move anywhere. He can touch in any situation, in any circumstance. His power is not limited. Amen. God's power has absolutely no boundaries. Job expressed it in this way. He said in Job 42 and 2, I know that thou canst do everything and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Amen. The nature of God. I love Him. Amen. I love Him. What we've felt here this evening in this, in this presence has not been anything that's been contrived of man, but we have felt the presence of God, His nature of God walking among us. The moral attributes of the Spirit are expressed in many ways. I'll take just a few minutes to talk about some of them. One of the, one of the natures of God, one of the, 
one of one of the expressions of God is the spirit of holiness. Isaiah declared Jehovah as the Holy One at least 30 times in his writings. The Holy One. Furthermore, God desires his people to be holy. He's not a holy God that desires to have an unholy people. But he's a holy God that desires holy people. The desire of God for pure people is well documented in Scripture from beginning to the end. The following verses are just a few verses to reflect the desire of God's holiness. In Psalms 99 and 9, the writer said, Exalt the Lord our God and worship at His holy hill, for the Lord our God is holy. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 and 16, the scripture says, But as he which has called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be be ye holy, for I am holy. Obviously, there are many, many other passages of Scripture that would not only spell out book, chapter, and verse, but certainly the principles of holiness are replete all through the Scripture. God loves holiness, and He desires for us to be holy. He placed a great value on the church, but He wants them to be holy even as He is holy. Another another attribute or aspect of God is love, and I'm thankful for that. Amen. True love, real love, pure love, love undefiled. First John 4 and 16, the scripture says, And we have known and believed the love that God had to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. The entire fourth chapter, actually, of First John deals with the Spirit of God as it relates to humankind. It develops the thought of God being that of love. 1 John 4, 7 and 8, also in verse number 16, takes the idea one step further and plainly acclaims that God is love. The chapter closes with a commandment from God that he who loves God must also love his brother. We can't say we love God if we don't love our brother. The Spirit of God is the supreme experience of love. Amen. It makes love available to all men. I'm thankful that the spirit of love compels men to reach beyond themselves. I'm going to tell you this evening, there are men and women in this house tonight that without the infilling of the spirit of God, you were one person. But when the spirit of God came to reside in your heart, you became a different person. Amen. Your, your thoughts were not just on you and centered around you and your world. You were not the center of your own universe anymore, but other people. After a while, compassion, you began to look at other and have compassion on their lives, on their situations and their circumstances. It's because the power of God's love touched your heart to love others. Paul said to the church in Rome, chapter 5 and verse number 6, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some even dare to die. But God commended His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. It's just beyond our ability to comprehend that He would love us despite us. He would love us beyond any measure. We can't understand or even grasp God's measureless love. However, we must be grateful every day because it's not just a reality to us, but it's a reality in us. Amen. I'm glad that I didn't just experience it on the outside, but I'm glad I got to experience it on the inside. He is love. 
God is also truth. John 16 and 13, Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. When he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. A few services ago, I taught on the value of walking in truth. And if I could just interject something here tonight, if we will just walk in what truth we know, Amen. You say, well, I don't understand it all. That's all right. Just keep walking. Amen. And the Spirit of God, that Spirit of truth, will lead us and guide us into truth. Not just Spirit of tradition, not the Spirit of likes and dislikes and desires of man, but the Spirit of truth. Amen. When the Spirit of truth is come, He will guide you into all truth. Amen. Truth is pure. Truth is without error. I say it often, but every day in courtrooms around, certainly across America and around the world, there is one phrase that is plead, that is, that someone is pleading for, and that is the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Because there's something powerful that can happen if we can just know the truth. That's commonplace. This could also describe the Spirit of God. And how God deals with people. It's the whole truth and nothing but the truth. I'm glad for the spirit of truth. There is no changing, no shadow of turning in God. In Him is truth. There is no lie. We can trust His Word. We can take this. We can bank everything we own on the Word of God because His Word is truth. When God convicts us of something that's wrong, when the Word of God speaks to us and, and convicts us of something wrong, of something wrong in our life, or when the Word of God becomes that light that David said it is, a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. And so when God's Word begins to illuminate more truth in our lives, I want to act on that. I want to move on that. Why? Because when, when we are prompted by that, that's truth that's leading us. That's truth that's prompting us. Not error. Amen. That's truth. The Bible says, let God be true, but every man a liar. That's what Paul said in Romans 3 and 4. Amen. Let God Amen. Be true and every man a liar. I'm thankful for God's mercy. How many have ever experienced God's mercy? My, my. Amen. I'm thankful for His mercy. Psalms 103, 17. The Bible says, But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear Him and His righteousness unto the children's children. I'm thankful for the mercy of the Lord. David was such a great writer about the mercy of God. His grace, His mercy. Amen. That mercy that follows us every day. That mercy that is new every morning. I need that new mercy. Amen. I need that new mercy again day by day. This passage is only one of the expressions of David's praising God concerning His mercy. When David sinned, he found that it was God's mercy that opened the door of repentance and restoration in his life. God could have just snuffed him out. After all, if you know about David's sin, the magnitude of his sin, in our eyes, we would have deemed him unreachable. We would have said, well, he's done. His life is finished. Amen. We would have probably said that about the first thing he did wrong. 
and then much less about the second and the third and on and on and on. And by the time we got through reading that, that National Enquirer headline, we would have thought there is no hope for this man. But God's mercy just kept weaving through. And he sent a prophet by the name of Nathan. And Nathan began to share a story that touched David's heart. And when Nathan said, Thou art the man, David was not incensed. David was not insulted. David didn't reach around and call for the guards to take Nathan away and have him killed. But David realized that mercy just stood before me. God's mercy. He was named Nathan this day. Amen. It was Nathan's voice. It was Nathan's mind. It was Nathan's life and lips that were used today. But it was really called mercy. Amen. In all 26 verses of Psalms 136, the psalmist expressed the mercy of God. In this particular chapter, every verse contains this phrase, For His mercy endureth forever. Amen. For His mercy endureth forever. This was not from the pen of a man who was just trying to wax eloquent. This was not from a man who just wanted to be known by the ages and was trying to leave some kind of shrouded human legacy behind. But when David said, For His mercy endureth forever, he was a man that knew all about mercy. And I'm going to tell you tonight that David's not alone. There's a lot of men and women in this house and those that will hear this message that knows a lot about the mercy of God were it not for the mercy of God. I dare think where I may be this evening. Thank God for His mercy. The mercy of God is pure and holy. And, and, and one thing about God's mercy that we can never ever do, and that is use God's mercy as an excuse to presume that it'll cover and hide our sins. Do we use God's grace to sin? No. No, Paul said, God forbid that we would use as an, grace as an occasion to sin, but His grace is there. God's intent in mercy is not to protect the sinner, but it is to forgive those who are repentant of their sin. Isaiah 55 and 7 says, Let the wicked forsake his way, and let the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. <laughs> that doesn't sound like somebody sliding in under the wire to me. That doesn't sound like God folding his arms and saying, well, okay, come on in. But it sounds like God is with open arms, abundantly pardoned, abundantly pardoned. The Spirit makes Himself known in numerous ways. The Holy Spirit has manifested Himself in many aspects to God's people and for His cause. Consider the following ways, if you will, in which God has made Himself known. From the very, very beginning, of, of the, from the very book of Genesis chapter 1, Amen, God made Himself known as a Creator. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. One of the very first ways the Spirit of God manifested Himself to our known world was as the Creator. In the role of the Creator, the Spirit brought all things into existence. The Bible records the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And so if we stand amazed at the things that God has created Amen. I'm just going to put a little dot, dot, dot at the end of that statement because I think we have all stood in amazement at the things that God has created. When you see the brilliance of the feathers of the birds, when you see 
the majesty, the beauty of God's creation when you travel uh, even in our community, but when you travel around our nation, certainly around the world, and we see and behold the handiwork, as some may call, of God. When we stand in amazement, amen, of the Spirit of God, that all His His Word has brought into existence. If we stand amazed at the things that God has created, if the Rocky Mountains can take our breath away, if the beautiful, beautiful mountains and the scenery of of Washington State and Oregon can can penetrate and pierce our heart, how much more? If we are, are amazed at His creation, how much more ought we to stand in awe when the Creator is in our presence? When we feel His Spirit... As we have felt here tonight, I hope He never catches us unimpressed. I hope He never catches us with a ho-hum mindset. But I want to freely welcome His presence. I want to freely make His presence made welcome. Amen. In our in our midst when we are together. Because when we welcome the presence of God, something can be born in our heart. I know I say it often, but let me just say it one more time. Abraham could have had this godly experience of this angelic visitation and just kept it all to himself. But he said... He said, abide here. Stay here. I want you to hang around. Amen. I, and, and he ran and he had someone kill a fatted calf and he asked his wife to bake bread and, and he made welcome. He brought water and you know the story fairly well, I'm certain, in Genesis 18. Amen. It was there that God began to give birth to a seed in the womb of Sarah. And so I tell you that I don't want the presence of the Lord to just pass by us on this Wednesday evening, but I want to say abide here, Lord. Hang around here for a little while. Don't just be a testimony and a flash in a moment, but give birth. Put something in our spiritual womb here that months down the road we can realize this is a, this is a gift that you gave us on this night. I want to stand awestruck. I don't ever want to lose the wonder and the awe, the presence of God. He deserves our worship for this reason, if for no other. We have no life except that He gives it. We have no existence except He bring it to pass. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for His presence. I'm thankful for the Word of God tonight. That may sound a little bit redundant, but I'm thankful for His Word because in His Word there is life, there is power, there is hope, there is, there is direction. The Bible says in John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Amen. Thank you for the Word. Amen. The Word of God. The Scripture that I'm referring to, amen, tonight is not just one. John 1 and 1, but Genesis 1 and 1. It was the Spirit of God that moved. It was the Word of God that spoke in Genesis 1. And God said, and God said, and God said. And when we open this book tonight, God is still speaking. He's not a dead God. He's not a non-existent God. But His Word is still speaking. I know you know where I'm headed from here, but John 1 and 14 said, And the Word was made flesh, and His name was Jesus. Amen. His The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father full of grace and truth and so his word didn't just speak in Genesis, 
But His Word was given flesh in the book of Matthew. He was born in Bethlehem's manger. Amen. And thou shalt call His name Jesus, for He shall save His people from their sin. The Word walked among us, and the Word raised the lame, and the Word gave sight to the blind, and the Word gave hearing to the deaf, and the Word gave life to the dead. Oh, yes, He did. And the Word gave healing to the leper. The Word, the Word, the Word. Amen. I don't ever want to grow weary of the Word. The Spirit of God that was made manifest as the Creator has extended that grace now to creation. As the Word it became flesh, dwelt among us. God manifested Himself as the Word dwelt among His own creation with one purpose in mind, and that purpose was redemption. I've been redeemed. Amen. By love divine. Glory, glory. Christ is mine. Amen. I'm so thankful that I've been redeemed. To redeem us, He lived righteously, suffered death, took the keys of death, hell, and the grave from the evil hands that held them and rose again on the third day. He was willing to do all of this because of His great love for all of creation. He is also a comforter. John, using John chapters 14 and 15 and 16, we can see the identity, the source, and the purpose of the Comforter. A few verses from these chapters reveal the promises of Jesus Christ concerning the Holy Spirit coming into our lives. In John 14 and 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. In chapter 16, verse 13, the Bible says, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, I read this a moment ago, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glory me, he shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and show it unto you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the comforter. Studying from the book of John helps us to better understand the identity, the source, and the purpose. Amen. The Bible, in Matthew 3.16, the scripture says, When Jesus was baptized, went straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. Many of you have read John, or Matthew rather, 3.16. According to Luke 3 and 22, the Bible says that the Holy Ghost descended in the bodily shape like a dove. Amen. This was a manifestation of the Holy Spirit for yet another purpose. I believe it was an assurance for John the Baptist that what he saw that day at Jordan's River, this was not a fluke, this was not an accident, but here is an assurance, here is an, a manifestation, here is a, a confirmation of what you experienced that day. This really is the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. I'm glad that I know Him, aren't you? I want to discover more and more and more. I don't ever want to stop searching. I don't ever want to fall out of love with Him. I'm going to ask you to stand. Our musicians are coming. Amen. A study in the nature of God can never be complete, could never be exhaustive. I could never finish teaching and then close the Bible and say, well, now you know it all. It will never happen. Never happen. Because we just keep kicking over new treasures. 
We just keep stumbling upon some things that are new to us. Now, I'm not talking about new, strange, weird revelations, but I'm talking about something new to us. We just discover another dimension, another facet. Amen. The magnitude of His mercy, the magnificence of, of God's grace, the power of His truth, the reality of His presence, all of those things cause me to realize my own limitations. And I understand how big God is, how much bigger He is than I thought He was. As great as God is, He loves us so much that He desires to dwell in us. Not just to be around us, but to be in us. In prayer today, I was thanking the Lord for that in me, God. I don't have to wait till Wednesday night. Amen. My life's not going to be paused until Sunday morning. Till we can come back here. Till we're all together again. Till we all have our Sunday go to meet and close on, so to speak. But we can call on Him in the stillness of the night. Amen. And that same power that we felt in this place this evening. The same power that we experienced the night we received that Holy Spirit infilling. We can feel that in our home, in our car. We can feel that wherever we may be because He longs to abide in us. Amen. He's all-knowing, everywhere present. He's all-powerful. Amen. What a mighty God we serve. This is not an anemic God that might be able to handle our situation. But this is a God who has all things in His hand. It's in His control. Amen. Aren't you thankful to be serving a God like that? Amen. Let's magnify Him together. Can we just thank the Lord for His Word tonight? Thank Him for Your Spirit and presence. Let's magnify the Lord together. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.